All right, and welcome back to the How to Write a Book podcast. Um, in today's episode, we talk with Dan Hank, and um, Dan is a horror writer, um, also a podcaster, so hey. And what was really cool about Dan, I think, was the approach of needing to pivot. Um, and it's something that we talk about in the show, and also from my own perspective as to you know, why I needed to pivot as well, um, and specifically with editing. So I think this is going to be a really cool episode for you to discover that sometimes you're going to make some mistakes and it's okay. And then you're just going to need to pivot and then move forward because the whole goal is to put the message out there. That's the most important thing. So if you need to fix mistakes or if you need to, to um, redo something, um, all of that can be part of the process as an artist. Um, so very exciting, very cool. Um, I'm excited for you to dive in. Welcome to the How to Write a Book podcast, the show that helps you plan, write, and publish your book, even if you're a beginner or just feel like one. Now, for your host, she's written over a dozen books and helps others bring their books to life. Here she is, Maciel. Hey there, writers. Let's take a beat to talk about a special announcement. So November is your month of transformation. Get a one hour coaching session with me by choosing one of these three options or all three. Option one, join our Patreon for $1, which will support the show. Option two, book a $1 coaching session on coach.me. Option three, leave an Apple podcast review. Send a screenshot to my email and get a coaching spot. You can do all three and get three hours of coaching with me. Find all the links in the show notes. Act fast. This offer is only valid for November to celebrate National Novel Writing Month. Thanks. All right. And welcome back to the How to Write a Book podcast. Thank you so much, Dan Hank. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I'm really glad that we got to touch base. And um, for those of you who are not watching video, I have Halloween makeup on because today's Halloween. Happy Halloween. Well, every day is Halloween, but. (laughs) I agree. Well, today's the only day that you can go to random people's houses and get free candy without looking super weird. So I'll add that caveat. (laughs) So, Dan, you are the author of The Black Seas of Infinity, as well as the publisher and editor of Never Dead, a 14-story anthology. Um, You are a horror writer as well as a tattoo artist, um, and you also have your own podcast. So that's just a little bit about you, but Dan, can you introduce yourself to everyone in the audience? Okay, um... I just consider myself an artist. Like I, I try and get myself out there. So I write, I draw, um, I do a lot of book covers, I do a lot of magazine covers, some apparel, you know, um, I, I do convention covers, you suffer. I do a lot of artwork. I do writing. I, I've written magazine articles. I, I write books and I tattoo as well. And like as a hobby, I do MMA. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I love that you're like, I'm an artist. Um, I think a lot of like writers, authors, they actually have a lot of forms of creativity. It's just that that one happened to be the tool, you know, like they could have been maybe illustrators if they had chosen that path. It's all about the creative, you know, it's there. We just had to let right. it out. Yeah. Well, I, I think if you do anything well, you're an artist. Like even if you like build cars well or make cabinets well, you're an artist. 
Yeah, that's a good point because all of that takes artistry and yeah. craftsmanship. Yeah. So I would love to hear about your books. I mean, I think that they're very, they're different um, and they're different from each other. Can you please tell us about your works? Sure. Um, the the first three books I have, um, I, I have the Black Seas Infinity, and then Down Highways in the Dark, and then The End of the World, which actually saw a boost in sales when the whole COVID lockdown thing hit. Because everybody's like, oh, it's the end of the world, you know. I think everything, like all, all the apocalypse shows on like Netflix and stuff, like boosted up in views. But um, what it is, it's basically it's a mix of, like my editor called it speculative fiction. Um, and I was like, what is that? And he says, well, it's a mix of a bunch of different stuff. So I do a little bit of cosmic horror. I do a little bit of like, you know, there's aliens, there's sci-fi in it, but there's like something gets kind of like a gory and graphic, you know, um, somebody just gets like a, well, that's where speculative fiction comes in. It gets a little bit weird, you know, like uh, quantum mechanics and stuff like that, you know, but um, it, basically it started out um, when I was like, I don't know, like 14 or 15. And I had this idea, it has kind of evolved ever since, you know, and it's like this guy works for the government and they recover crashing in space technology, you know, and, uh, then he finds something he likes, but he gets fired. So he goes back in and he seals it and the whole government falls apart. And then things get crazy. There's like chaos. There's like the, some of the aliens come back. It turns out there's more than one alien. And some don't like each other. And, you know, we're a primitive planet. It's like, you know, we're, we're in the way. And yeah, it, it gets craziness. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. So, so wait, did you say that you actually started this when you, you were a kid or that was part of the story? Yeah, well, I, I always wanted to write and draw. I used to, like, do all the little illustrations for everything. I wrote my first book in fifth grade. It's, it's horrible. Don't, you know, I don't invite anybody to read it. It's like like giant monsters and robots in space, and, you know, it's horrible. But, you know, I, I kind of had this core idea, and I lived in Gainesville, Florida when I was, like, 12 or 13, and, you know, the, this – Gainesville is not really, I mean, it's kind of like a trashy place. It's like not a lot going on. But there were a lot of indie comic shops. And that's right when there was that big comic explosion, like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and stuff like that. So, like, a lot of the, the indie show was getting, like, you know, attention. So, you know, I'd go to comic shops and, like, and then the artists would work there. And I'd say, hey, uh, can you give me some advice on my page? And I get a lot of like good feedback on you know what to do and what not to do and so on. So the the project has kind of evolved and, and like once I read like Watchmen and like the early on more small things, I was like, you know, oh I'm sold because I could I kinda of debated whether I want to be a writer or an artist and I figured I had to pick one. And then I was like, wait, I can do both. I'll do like graphic novels, which uh it turned out to be a lot harder to do than you know, I thought because by the time I interviewed, like, interviewed DC Comics and Image Comics, and that's when they were all like, so there was an indie like bubble, like, like a, you know, burst and then you know collapse, and, and uh, what happened is, you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles did so well that publishers or not publishers, but like comic shops were just buying everything, and they bought a lot of crap. So, like, they were all stuck with, like, these, you know, boxes full of comics that just wouldn't sell. So then they all kind of closed their doors, and then it was really hard. Like, in fact, you know, DC and Marvel almost went under. Like, it was the movies that saved them, mm -hmm. you know. 
But uh, so when they when they interviewed, um, they pretty much were like, you know, do you want to draw our characters? And they want to draw like their mainstream, like Superman, Captain America characters. And that's that's not my thing. I was thinking like, you know, like uh, Watchmen, like Swamp Thing, like, you know, Constant Hellraiser, like the kind of like Sandman indie stuff, you know. And uh, when they told me that that's all they wanted, I was like, ah, I got to find some other way to like make it as an artist, you know. And so and I'm kind of glad it went that way, because what happened is now I do illustrated books. So I do books with like a bunch of illustrations. I'm kind of like if you read like the old like pulp magazines and they always have little drawings in them and stuff. You know, I always love that. So I was like, yeah, well, why don't I do like even larger illustrations in my book? So I've kind of kept that up, you know, and, and uh, with, with the Black Seas Infinity, the, that was the first one that I just recently re-edited and re-released. I have a whole like backstory project you know several project pages afterwards tell you how it evolved over time and have some of my early comic book illustrations for that story once the interview with dc comics with and marvel comics with and um i actually had a couple of indie publishers like paradox press picked me up and they went bankrupt <laughs> kitchen sink press picked me up and they went bankrupt you know that's when everyone's going bankrupt you know but you know turning uh lemons and lemonade you know i i made it work another way you know I, I i that's actually the story of what a lot of people did you know in the early days in the u.s like you know you know them as uh, that famous billionaire like rockefeller or carnegie but they had like four jobs that they absolutely failed at and then they have maybe the fifth one that took off yeah yeah totally i mean it, it really i mean it's like that kind of like rags to riches or like underdog story you know so how long were you like you started off and you you were gonna get this job where you're gonna have to draw superman and then you were like i'm gonna have to pivot because i don't want to do this how long did that process like take for you more or less right well it's kind of the whole thing is kind of complicated i mean you know i i I don't want to bore you and keep it here all day but pretty much like the highlights of it are you know i was big into drawing stuff um, I did everyone's like, I got super into punk rock in high school and I was like painting everyone's all the jackets and doing all the band artwork and stuff. So, you know, in those days, like this, like the early nineties, you know, like late eighties, early nineties, nobody had money. So uh, I did art for everybody, you know, and, but my parents are super conservative, super Christian, kicked me out of the house and moved. So oh. I was like homeless, like living in the woods, homeless, like for eight months. And then I slowly climbed up and I started getting jobs. And um, I remember the first job that I got that um, that was uh, for somebody other than like a friend's band was um, Madcap Magazine. I was doing like a political car news for them. I did something for Maximum Rock and Roll, you know. And so I was like, this is where I'm going to go. And I went to an illustrator's meeting and everybody was really down on the craft. And I was like, well, you know, I, I'm going to find another way to make it as an artist. You know, I was working like, you know, jobs like a dishwasher, like I went door to door for Greenpeace. I'm just trying to make it. You know, so it was like I did one thing after another and it seemed to pop off and then it would fall. And then, you know, I just didn't give up. I just kept doing it. And then I was like, you know, I was like, maybe what I need to do is I need to go to art school. So I went to a community college for art, you know, paying for the classes, got around on like a 10 year old motorcycle. Like it's really hard to balance art supplies on the handlebars of a motorcycle, getting around, you know, 
but and then my art teacher really liked my stuff. You know, I was in a couple of galleries. They said, if you want a career, you got to move to New York. So I moved to New York. You know, like overnight on my motorcycle, everything I owned in a backpack, I moved to New York. And, and you know, I was still working shitty jobs in New York. And, you know, I was applying to everyone, going to all the portfolio days. Like FIT offered me a full scholarship. You know, they offered me a place to stay. They offered me money. But I was like, I just went to our college. I don't want to go another four years to our college. Yeah. You know, and then a guy at Pratt was like, uh, no, no, you need to get a job. You know, and I was like, well, I'm trying to get a job. He's like, well, I ain't comics for DC Comics. I'll set you with the interview. So then I was like, oh, I made it. I went in for the interview. And uh, that didn't go too well. That's, you know, when they almost went bankrupt and they just wanted to draw Superman. And I was like, okay, well, you know, I'm going to have to find some other niche. And along the way, I, I had a friend of my brother that was, uh, he, he was a tattoo artist. And he said, that guy should tattoo. And so he got me into tattooing. And I was like, oh, well, I'll just do this. So I'll find a quote, real job. Mm -hmm. But then I really liked it, you know, and like even to this day, like even if like Hollywood came calling and bought one of my books for like a Netflix series and give me tons of money, I wouldn't give them tattooing. I just do it even less. I just do the projects that I really am inspired by. Yeah, that's awesome. And going back to what you do now, like you do like full illustrations for books. I miss that. I actually haven't really like come across a lot of books in a long time. I and mean, the last time I remember popping open a book with illustrations was, I think it was like a Grimm's fairy tale book when I was a kid. That's probably one. Oh, maybe scary stories to tell in the dark. Maybe. Yeah. That, that was good too. Yeah. No, I, I remember all that stuff. And like a lot of those, like uh, the early authors and the early illustrators, like, even though, you know, it was like, I don't necessarily want to write like them or draw like them, but I really love the way they put everything together. Yeah, yeah, totally. You know what, and this can actually be a really great segue into some of my next questions. So your anthology, Never Dead, has 14 different stories. You just said that you like how they... they well, put together. 16 stories, but it's 14 authors. Oh, 14 authors. Okay, 15 stories. So yeah, tell me tell me about this anthology. How did you decide that you were going to pursue this? Well, I had uh, in, in the tattoo world, I had my, like, I, I call it my 15 minutes of fame when, like, you know, people were paying for me to attend the conventions in, like, England, and they're like, we'll give you a hotel room, we'll pay for the plane flight, just, just show up. But, it, I mean, it's like when, like, Nike sponsors somebody, like, they figure, oh, I'll put you up and that'll, like, bring more people in. So when I was doing all that sort of stuff, you know, and I was out there everywhere, I remember Jack Bantry, I think his real name is Richard Thompson, but his real name is Jack Bantry, and he runs Splatterpunk. And, you know, he just started up the magazine, and because I was all over the press, you know, he was like, hey, uh, you want to do the cover for the first one? So I just kind of, I found, I was like, sure. I like, you know, I like horror. I like spot punk. So I did his first cover and I, I pretty much done every one since then, you know, oh. and, and because I knew all these authors and they now knew me because they did the covers for the magazines they were in, you know, I was like, Hey, um, I'm not sitting on like, you know, Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk money, but uh, how about I trade you an original illustration for one of your stories? They're all like, oh, that's cool. You know, so I managed to get like some fairly big name authors 
in my book because I gave them artwork. And yeah, I was I was super excited about that. And then every story they did, I do an illustration for, you know, and uh, because it's what like along the lines of what I like anyways, it was like very easy to picture, you know, what I thought was a key element of the story, like bring it to life. Yeah, awesome. Sorry, hopefully you can't hear that car honking. Oh, wait no, I can't. I can't. <laughs> awesome. Um, I love that. Okay, so so you get your stories, you trade them for illustrations, and now you have the stories in your lap. So, what was your vision, and did it stay true to that vision? Well, the the vision was I wanted like kind of twilight zone or hour limits, kind of like um, like not like you know gory over the top just like you know splattery you know whatever i i wanted like good stories like my my big thing is i love good stories like you know probably some of my favorites are like neil gaiman's amazing you know or richard matheson who are i am legend it's like there's like a build up and there's a middle and there's in like it's, it's a nice flow and you know they, they get across something unique while they do it so i remember first i i didn't know who would sign up to this. And I was fortunate that some like, you know, fairly big names that were like, yeah, I'll do it. You know? And then other people started being like, Oh, I want to be in your mythology. And, and I was like, all right, cool. So I, there were a couple of people that I turned away. You know, I, I wasn't an asshole to them. I was just like, yeah, it didn't really fit the theme <laughs> that we're going for here. You know? But, um, so I, I weeded down to, to what it liked. Like, like I said, everything was along the lines of like Twilight Zone or Outer Limits or like just kind of like a kind of spooky, you know, well-told story. And I was like, you know, that would be perfect. Amazing. So so you have the theme. You start, you call, um, you know, authors just to kind of fit that theme. So now let's say you're looking at that story, right? And I would love to like kind of, kind of um, just wonder what, your tips were for making sure that you stay to your theme. So say there's a, maybe I'm guessing there's some stories that needed a little bit of tweaking. How did you make sure that everything really fit that theme in the end? Well, one thing that I found that was um, probably a lot of people will tell you this. A lot of people are worried about this. Is it a lot of editors are just frustrated writers. So they want to rewrite your work the way they would write it. And, you know, but then rewriting it the way they would write it, I mean, it's pretty obvious that they're not a published author, and that might be why, because they're not that good. And, you know, maybe doing something a little bit different, and that's what breaks the mold. You know, so I, I tried very hard, like, I did everything, but it was more for, like, grammatical spacing, you know, stuff like that, and formatting. And I tried not to change, like, tone or text or anything, because – Maybe and I had um, a friend Bobby Lise, um help. The, I think his full, his real name is like Robert Lise, but we all call him Bobby. Uh, but he he helped me with it, and he was like, "Hey, I think this is what they're going for with that." I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, good point." So I I tried really hard not to like alter their tone. And what I did is I would edit, it, then I sent to them and say, "Hey, you know." Look at this, and like you can do this thing where you like track changes, and they mm -hmm. decide to accept it or reject it or whatever, and you know they they would get back to me, and, and some people and like very very uh, it was very infrequent that I would actually change words, but it's like more like adding commas and like you know separating things in paragraphs and so on. But uh, yeah, that that's how that's what I tried to do when I got the across. Like when I edit my own stuff, um, I kind of. 
like over time, I've, I've kind of um, like I've done seminars from Alan Moore and from like Stephen King. I would say um, I probably learned the most from those two, from Alan Moore and Stephen King. Um, mm-hmm. And Stephen King, like he starts out like telling you his like backstory and the person obviously sold. So for an hour and a half, he might be kind of like, ah, this really is giving me a tip. Just stick with it. Because, you know, when, when he finally kicks in with some running tips, it really helps. You know, so, you know, when I went back and re-edited my um, debut novel, uh, you know, and I'm reading through it, I was like, I can't believe I didn't do this. Or, oh, this would make it so much stronger. You know, and, and you know, what what good editing does is they could even take the same sentence and just rearrange the words so that it now is a stronger element, even though it's the same sentence. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. So I love, I love that you actually really tried to keep the integrity of the story. You wanted to make sure that it was that author. You were just really, you know, tweaking like line editing and maybe some like proofreading and stuff. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, I love that. So actually, you segued right into the next topic, because I really wanted to know, like, what's really interesting to me about kind of like your background and your experience is that you published your book, uh, the Black Seas of Infinity in 2011, and then you're you're like, you know what? I need to redo it. I need to edit it. So I wanted to know, like, at what point were you like, okay, I'm, I need to. I think it's from the anthology. It sounds like, but you're like, I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna take it down and I'm gonna go back in. What was that process like? Well, if you're asking, what are you asking? Why did I feel like I needed to do that, or you know, what was the impetus to do that? I would say, like, let's start from the beginning. So, like, what was that triggering moment? But then also, what steps did you take? Because I think some people, some artists and and authors, they'll they'll see their work, but the editing is very intimidating, or they feel like it's actually like a reflection on their personal value. You know, like, right. oh, my book isn't good enough, therefore I'm not good enough. But but I love how you boldly put it like on your website. You're like, hey, this wasn't good enough. I'm taking it down. Everyone, if you bought a copy, just let me know. Um, I'm going to redo it. And I was like, that's that's really cool because I think a lot of us would be like, like, oh, no, I'm going to go to a corner now. I'm just going to stay there. I'm going to forever stay there, you know? Well, I, I think um, two things. One, one, I think that it's a very strong story. I mean, I've had since I was 15 or even younger, you know, so I really like the story. You know, I just feel like I can tell the story much better now. You know, so I, I want to, like, you know, give it its real due. Like, it, and pretty much everything I do, it, it's kind of like it's all in the same continuity. So it's like I tell people, like, you know, if you, you know, read, you know, my, my last you know, full novel, which was In the World, you know, that's the third book in a trilogy, but it's kind of like Road Warrior to Mad Max. Like, you don't have to see Mad Max to uh, watch Road Warrior. You know, so it's like you just have a little bit more backstory, a little more history, you know. But I was like, you know, so, you know, in the world, like, people are like, oh, you know, this is the best writing I've seen from you. This is great. I love it, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, well, I should really look at, you know, reexamine my first book. And, you know, when you first write it, you're like, oh, you know, I did a great job. This is amazing. But then you go back a year later, you're like, oh, man, what what did I do? You know, and, and, you know, I know there are some of you because I do a podcast and I interview a lot of authors and some of the authors are like, yeah, I never like go over or re-enter my old stuff. 
you know, I mean, it's a creative choice of what you want to do, but you just want to focus on the music on now. But because mine's all in the same continuity and I want to be proud of everything I've done, I feel like I should go back and give it its proper due. Yeah, and I, I think I think that resonated with me because, like, um, when I was, like, first publishing or just doing stories, like, back back in the day, I, I totally tore them apart. Like, I would be hand-cramped, and I would make sure they were edited. And, and after, like, that period, I went into, like, self-publishing, and I don't know how I got, like, stuck, but I was like, okay, well, it's fine. I'll put it out there. So I put out a whole bunch of books. And then I was like, then I woke up. It's like I woke up, and I was like this is not my best work, you know? And so I'm actually like doing kind of what you did, which is I pulled everything down. And I was like, because it just doesn't, it's not fitting what I want it to be, you know, to fit that quality in the end. So that's why when I saw that you did that, I was like, oh, wow, like I'm not the only person, you know, who puts it out there and it's like, no way, let's, let's do it again. You know, I love, I love that you. Well, well I, I talked to a number of authors and some say they never edited their old stuff. And some people are like, oh yeah, definitely, definitely. So, it, you know, there, there's not one formula that you have to follow. You know, it's really what works best for you. And that's what works best for me. Yeah, I love that. Um, so so tell me about your editing process. Like, do you do you go structure first? Do you go into grammar? Do you set it to somebody? Do you do it yourself? Well, what I do is, um, especially now, because, like, I've been doing it so long, I, I feel like you kind of get a rhythm and style down. So I'll reread it and I'll say, wait a minute, why did that sentence strike me as a little bit stiff? Like, that's not really the best way to express it. So I, I'll go back. It, it's like I try to keep the same elements there, but I, I try to make it, like, much more fluid. And, and I, I've also learned, like, I was very, very descriptive when I started out, you know, probably in part because I'm an artist. So I'm like, well, you know, what, what color shirt are they wearing? You know, does it, you know, have ridges on it or whatever? It's like, but you don't need to know all that. And, you know, there, there's a certain amount to be said for, you know, the, the, reader being able to visualize their own version of something. So, you know, I, I also hated, and I'm, this was probably part of my over describing, like you'd read like a, a say a sci-fi story, but nothing is described. So it's like some weird, strange alien world, and you're like, but I can't picture any of it. You're not giving me any like clues or anything to go off of. So, but yeah, it, I mean, you learn over time. You learn to like scale it back what's absolutely necessary. Um, I, there were... One of the best tips I got from Stephen King was like, if it's not necessary, delete it. Mm. So, you know, they're like, you don't like if you have like five descriptive words, but only two are really necessary, get rid of the other three. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I actually, I also read his book on writing and it was like, it was really cool. It was really straight yeah, to the point. Yeah. That, yeah. That's what I took out on writing. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. And I actually, I don't know why I thought like when, when I was reading it, I, I don't know why I thought like it was going to take me some like down some sort of like dark, mysterious tunnel, but it was like really light, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's cool. You so, can like, also see how the publishing world was back then because I think for his first book, they offered him like $250,000. And he was like all amazed and surprised. He was like, you know, he, he was like making no money and he had a wife and kid and whatever. He's like, oh, can you repeat that for me? 
nobody pays off this anymore. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know he was like a teacher, right? And all that. I mean, it was a really good book for everybody who hasn't read it. It was a really good book. I on writing, it. yeah, awesome book. Yeah, on writing. So, um, do you have any like other? That's that's a really great tip. But from your also perspective, do you have any additional tips for editing uh, for writers that that have come across uh, since your process started? Well, it really helps you. Um, like find an author you like like i'm a big fan of neil gaiman i love neil gaiman stuff so it really helps to read neil gaiman and then read your stuff and, and don't copy him but go why does his stuff sound so fluid you know if my stuff doesn't sound fluid what do i need to do to alter it so it, i i think it helps to read other people um people can fall down a rabbit hole like um you know, I know I'm as guilty of this as anybody, but like, you know, if you go, well, should I use a 1.5 line spacing or double line spacing? Um, should I end it in the paragraphs 0.35 or 0.25? You know what? A lot of that stuff is whatever works best for you, you know, and you shouldn't be like, like, I remember this is not writing, but this is going to art school. You know, like there are people that would draw and like, it'd be all crazy. And the art teacher would see something and go, oh no, it's like Picasso. You know, and he'd go, well, you know, Picasso knew the rules before he broke them. So he could do amazing, perfectly realistic, you know, paintings. And then he started altering, but he needed to know the rules to break them. So I, I think it kind of goes with writing, too. It's like, you know, there's some stuff that, like, you don't do. And there's some stuff that you do, but you need to know why you're doing it and what you're doing, not just, like, doing it random and go, oh, yeah, well, it's all good. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I love that. And like you said, Picasso, know the rules, you know, and then that would help you to kind of be flexible and to move about them. Um, and then I, I really like that you're you're really hitting on like what's gonna work for you because I do feel like people like, should I outline? Should I do three pages of outline? Should I do this kind of outline? Should I, should I discover you right? And um, it can be really overwhelming with the well, amount the, of- The main thing they say is um, you don't wanna like alter in the middle of text, you wanna alter formatting something. So, for instance, if you're doing it in like, third person, you don't want to, you know, same character, also switch to first person, you know, like maybe you could have a chapter in third person, then the next chapter in first person, but you need that break. Otherwise, really it's confused. You also have a thing where it's like present tense versus past tense. So if you're telling the story and like, you know, past tense, like, you know, they did this as opposed to they're doing this, you know, Keep that up at least until there's a sufficient break where you go, oh, okay, I'm starting anew with something different. You know, like I'm starting down a different path because otherwise they get confused. Yeah, yeah, it can be super like, um, especially with point of view because I do that in my first drafts. Like I'm all over the place with point of view, and it's one of the biggest things I have to to hit. Um, also, I know you mentioned those earlier. I wasn't sure if this was before our podcast started, but you said that when you when you edited this book, it took you like over sixty hours. Yeah, that, that, was, that was before we started the podcast. Yeah, it, it's uh, like when when I wrote it, and it, it took quite a while to write. It was also my first book ever. You know. Um, so I remember I wrote it and then because it took so long to like write it, I, you know, I kind of hesitated to going back. And then when, you know, I finally decided I'll go back, I was like, yeah, but you know, you know, I thought it was great when I did it. So I, I'm sure that just minor is no, it's not, you know, 10 years later, you're a way different person. 
you know, and so I was going through it. And I was like, I can't believe I did this. I can't believe I did that. You know, I, I could have said this so much better, you know, but yeah, so it, it turned out to be a way more extensive edit than I thought. And one thing I did learn that I would like to pass along to other people is like, so I did it. I gave it to a publisher. Publishers will edit it so it sounds one way. If you self-edit, you can't do one edit. You have to do like three edits because I did my first edit and I was like, okay, it's great. I put it out and everybody's like, oh, but there are all these errors and this paragraph ends right here in the middle of a description. I was like, oh, you know, so I went back and I had to re-edit after that. But yeah, you, you really, it really helps. It really helps if you go over it several times. Yeah, I thought it was really impressive that you you knew the amount of hours. You know, I think like some people would be like, oh, it took me like, I don't know, three months or something. But you're like right. over 60 hours. I was like, oh, that's cool. Like you come track that. So well, I do a lot of stuff. And so it's like, you know, I, I kind of keep track of how much time I'm spending on something because I have to try and figure out what I have time for, you know, on the side because I have the podcast or I have tattooing or I have like, I, I just got a contractor and supposed to do illustrations for a video game. You know, it's like, you know, what do I have time for? How long is this going to take me? I, I have to keep that in mind. I love that. I love that because I think a lot of writers would find that helpful instead of like focusing on um, like pages or word count. They could be like, you know, this is the amount of hours I can at least aim for and start with foundationally. Um, also, can you tell us about your podcast? I know we're getting close to time already, but um, I'd love to know more about your podcast. Well, it's called Skull Sessions with Ian Hink, you know, and uh, it, Skull Sessions like an old English term for like you have like an intense conversation with somebody you know and, and uh so what i do is uh, i have a conversation with other authors but you know sometimes i'll have artists in there and um i've been pretty fortunate there are people that inspired me that i reach out to they're like oh sure i'll be in your podcast like uh i i got walter simonson who did all the thor stuff he did he advised on the thor movies you know i got steve Bissett who did like you know the early swamp thing stuff for alan moore you know, I got Donato Giancola does all the stuff for Lord of the Rings. You know, and they're all super nice people, and they just talk to you. It's just a process. Like, hey, you know, what inspires you? What uh, I, I kind of love the the flow go where you know they take it. Like, I, I don't try and force it. Like, you know, these are the ten questions you must answer. It's more like, hey man, what got you into this? What do you like to do? Okay, how do you approach this? And we just go from there. I love that. Yeah, that's kind of like what I like to do. I just I like to see like let's let's chat, let's get to know each other, you know, see where it goes. Right. That's awesome. Thanks, Dan. Um, so this conversation has gone by super quickly. I love that because. <laughs> um. So of course. Well, it's like, better than you like constantly checking your watch, going, "Is he fucking done already?" I know. <laughs> you like like bringing up the phone, like you know, five minutes left or something like yeah. that. <laughs> I mean, so I won't lie. There's a couple of people on my podcast where I was like, "I'm like, huh." How much longer do you have? This person is boring <laughs> as fuck, you know. <laughs> oh my gosh! Thank, thank goodness, this is not one of those. You know, I think it's so good. I love it. So, of course, I want to leave space for you to tell us where can people find you, your next projects, and find your current projects. Well, 
everything is on my website if you go to danhink.com like i have everything i have a blog on there you know i'm also on lots of social media you kind of have to be as an artist like i'm on goodreads i'm on instagram i'm on tiktok i'm on facebook i'm on on twitter well now it's x it's not twitter but you know so i'm on everything but um all my books are on amazon you can you know just uh look up author dan hank and you can find them i have an author page on there you know but um, everything is on my website. If you want like a signed copy, just shoot me an email. Hi. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm going to sign myself up for that. That sounds awesome. Oh, that's great. Well, thank you so much, Dan. From the How to Write a Book podcast, this has been Dan Hank, uh, author of Black Seas of Infinity and also the editor um, and publisher of Never Dead. A- uh, there were two stories. There are two stories of mine in there. Yeah. Oh, awesome. All right, cool. Um, the Never Dead anthology, which you are in it, you edited it, and you published it. Yes. Amazing. All right. Thank you so much. It's been a super pleasure. We're going to wrap up this recording. Um, and it's been such a pleasure. All right. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Definitely. Anytime. And for the next one, come back. Whenever you publish it, just be like, let's get you back on. That'd be awesome. Okay. Awesome. Cool. And that's a wrap for today's episode of the How to Write a Book podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy the conversation. If you want to keep up with me and my work, check out the website, blackheartedstudios.com. That's www.blackheartedstudios.com. And follow me on Instagram, at Maciel Writes. That's at M-A-S-S-I-E-L Writes. As a book coach and publisher, I'm passionate about helping aspiring authors bring their stories to life. So if you've been dreaming of writing a book and don't know where to start, head to my website and let's chat. You get a free 30 minutes on me. Thanks again for listening and don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. I'll see you in the next episode. Thanks.